Well, hello, St. Mark's, and uh, welcome to all those joining us here or, or online. Uh, my name's Andrew Bowles. I'm the Senior Minister of St. Mark's. Uh, I'm on leave this week, so I'm recording this ahead of time, and I thank you uh, to those who uh, are leading the service for us while I'm away. I'm going to be starting a new series today called The Early Years of Jesus, and we're going to be running with that uh, through January uh, before Term 1 starts. If you look uh, at the movies, the last 15 years or so, there's been quite an explosion of the number of superhero films that come out each year, and I think you probably have noticed this. Uh, if you watch these kind of movies, you know that when they introduce a new character, you get what we call the origin story. Um, and this type of story introduces the character, explains their history and how they got to where they are. So what kind of powers do they have and how did they get them? What motivates them to fight evil or crime? Who are their enemies and who are their friends? And those sorts of questions. Now, in our sermon series in this next month uh, on the early years of Jesus, we're looking at what is the most famous origin story of all time. Most of us are familiar with uh, the story of Jesus' birth because we tell the story of his birth uh, in many different ways over the Christmas period, which we've just been through. But now after Christmas, I thought it's interesting and it's helpful for us to look forward to what happened with this baby in the manger after that night. And the Gospel of Luke in particular has a couple of incidents that give us some bigger context to the story of the Christmas baby. You know, why was this boy born in the stable and laid in a manger? Why was he such an important person when he grew up? And now what we find, I think, when we investigate this question is that there are only a few things that we really know about Jesus's childhood. We don't know much about Jesus's life between his birth and the start of his public ministry when he was about 30 years old. If we look at the history of the church, then we can find Christians over the centuries grappling with this kind of gap in our knowledge and speculating on what did it mean for the Son of God to grow up as a child. Now, there's nothing really written in the Gospels or our Bible about that time, apart from the few stories we're going to be looking at this month. And that's a large gap, and people have often been tempted to fill that gap with their own speculations, like people who write what we call fan fiction about their favourite superheroes today making up their own unofficial stories. And we might be tempted to do the same if there's a story that we're particularly invested in. Asking what would Jesus be like as a child if we believe about the things about him that we do? What sort of story would you write um, if you had to use your imagination about that topic? In the Bible, as you know, we have four gospels about Jesus's life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But over the years, there have been lots of other people who wrote things that they call gospels about what they think Jesus was like. So, for instance, there's a book called The Infancy Gospel of Thomas, which was written in the second century AD. And it makes out to be some stories about Jesus when he was about five years old, living with Mary and Joseph in their village. It basically presents Jesus um, as this very obnoxious little boy who happened to have superpowers. And if you're a parent here, imagine what it would be like if one of your children could actually do the things that they pretend to do in their fantasy play. And that's what Jesus is like in this story. So he does little tricks like making clay sparrows and bringing them to life. And uh, when are the, uh, one, of the, one of the other boys in the village makes uh, fun, in, fun of him, he zaps him uh, with his power and the boy dies. And poor Joseph then has to go and apologise to the boy's father and reassure the other parents in the village that it will never happen again. Things like that. Now, this is obviously not a very helpful picture of what Jesus was like as a child and what it would mean for the Son of God to grow up. And that's why it's not in the Bible. 
But that's what we're sort of thinking about uh, when we start our reading from Luke chapter 2 with the transition from the Christmas story into the ongoing story of Jesus' childhood with, its, with his naming and his circumcision. And this is the first of these four incidents that we have about him. But first, I just want to think for a minute, why would we actually care about that? Certainly, it could be interesting from an historical point of view, and lots of us who are interested in the Bible and learning about the detail of its teachings and stories. But we should always ask, and I think rightly so when we do, what is the point of these Bible stories and teachings for our lives? Why should we take an interest? Well, the reality is that Christianity is built on the person of Jesus himself, on his ideas and his teachings, yes, but actually on him, in himself, more than anything else, on who Jesus was, not just what he did. And the cornerstone of our faith is the understanding that the more that we know and experience of Jesus, the more that we experience of God, and the more we ourselves are transformed by God. Christians believe that Jesus was divine, that he was God's son. And this is emphasised repeatedly in the Christmas carols that we've sung a lot recently. So as we sing in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we say, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. But we often miss the humanity of Jesus and God's identification with the human race in our life. So what does it mean for God to become and to be human? So this time of Jesus's life as a child and young person, as he grows up, it's a very human time. Not a lot apparently happened that was worth recording or remembering. It was a normal life like ours, without much that is extraordinary or supernatural as such. He's not a superhero with special powers. He is a human person with a special calling and an identity from God. And this is the humanity of God. And it's therefore the way that God really connects with us. So to understand these stories, I think, brings us closer to that, and that's why it's helpful for us. Today, my reflections on this topic are based on a single verse, verse 21 of our reading. But this verse contains a whole package of story and meaning with it. It looks back to the beginning of the story of the Bible and forwards towards the end of Jesus's life in the Gospels. It's a verse about the humanity of Jesus. So verse 21 says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the, child, the angel had given him before he was conceived. So this is a very ordinary story of the time, something like it would have happened every other day in the town or the area where Joseph and Mary lived. A boy was born, and eight days later, he would be circumcised as part of the ritual of becoming a member of the nation of Israel, or the people of God. And this was a very ancient practice with its roots back in the time of Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel and his covenant with God. In the book of Genesis, the story of Abraham contains a lot of discussion of this agreement or covenant between God and Abraham, because it's the setup for what comes after that. The idea is if Abraham were to follow God and to trust him, God would make a nation out of his descendants who would be a blessing to the whole world. It was a promise of faithfulness between God and people. And the sign of that promise for the people, a sign that they could ignore, not ignore or forget, was this practice of circumcision. It was a sign they carried on their very bodies. Now, circumcision is not something that we necessarily like or want to talk about much, um, but it was very distinctive and meaningful in that culture and in many cultures around them. So this ritual that Jesus undertook at the age of eight days is a sign of God's promises and faithfulness to his people. 
It's a reminder of God's promise to bless the world and to save it, and, he cho- and that he chooses to do so through people, through people like Abraham and people like us. And crucially, it's a sign of a promise from God that endures regardless of whether the people live up to it, whether they keep their part of the covenant. And they didn't, by and large. Read the Old Testament and see. Abraham's descendants were not faithful to their agreement with God. They didn't keep the law. They didn't keep the faith. But God, of course, always does. As 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So the circumcision of Jesus, the Son of God, is a sign of this promise of God to Abraham and a sign that Jesus will be the one who will keep that promise. He's keeping it on behalf of God because God has come to save the world through him. But he's also keeping it on behalf of humanity, on behalf of Abraham and his descendants. Jesus will do on our behalf the things that we cannot do for ourselves. He will keep the faith and covenant with God. But he will do more than that. He will also fulfill the promises of God. He will be the instrument by which God will save and transform the world. And that's why he has given his name, Jesus And this name means God saves. This name looks forward to what this baby is going to do when he grows up. He will die for his people. He will rise again. And having kept the covenant with God, he will set them free for a new age of the world. The old sign is gone and a new sign of God's relationship with human beings is coming. So in Jesus, this faithful human being, a faithful descendant of Abraham and his promise, God has saved us through death through the washing away of sin, through the giving of God's spirit, a new life and a new start. And as Jesus was named on that day, eight days after he was born, his parents looked forward to God's salvation. And for Christians, the sign of this that we have in our own uh, faith is baptism. And this sign, the sign of baptism, which we take on ourselves, it's also enduring for us regardless of our own faithfulness to God. Even if we don't live up to the promises we make as followers of Jesus, we know that he will be faithful to the promises he made to us. And he has been. From the beginning, as a baby, as a child, as a man, and in ongoing life today, there is a human being who has lived a life of faithfulness to God. And because of that, all of us can be saved. So as you reflect on your Christmas time that we've just had and you pack away the tree and all the decorations, um, remember that this thing is not just the story of a special supernatural child or a superhero. It's the story of human beings. It's the story of God and our relationship with him. And it's the story of someone like you and me who was finally faithful to the relationship with God that we were made for. It's the story of the salvation of the human race. And it's a story that's still going on today.